0: Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off-limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. Today's conversation is on the heavier side. You might want to grab a box of tissues as you listen. My conversation today is with Carolyn Gaynor, who is a relationship director of an investment company. She's many things to different people. She is a part of the sandwich generation. She's a caregiver for her mom and a mom to her toddler, Jesse. She's married to James, does Ironman races, and also guides visually impaired athletes. Carolyn was gracious enough to share her story about her mom's Parkinson's diagnosis about seven years ago, what it was like having her husband invite her mom to come live with them, the experience of living with her mom for three and a half years, and the recent change of moving her mom to assisted living. Carolyn's never shared this part of her story, and I really appreciated her vulnerability. She describes her stress, navigating the pandemic, and the guilt associated with being a caregiver. For anybody wondering what it is like to be a caregiver, a part of the sandwich generation, or is looking for tips on how to navigate caregiving, I feel confident you'll appreciate Carolyn sharing her story and the insights she shares. I hope you'll enjoy and learn from my conversation with Carolyn Gaynor. Good morning, Carolyn. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. Well, I thought maybe we could just start the conversation with a little maybe professional background, a little bit about your guiding and anything else you want to share just for people to get a better sense of who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm a relationship director at Avantis Investors. My job is to support advisors um, in messaging, communications, selecting investment vehicles, Uh I really see myself as a consultant to advisors. Um, So that's what I do professionally. I travel a fair amount um, and I work with advisors kind of all over the country. Uh, A lot of people, at least if anyone is tuning in from Twitter or any other social media platform, people more frequently will know who I am because I'm also a guide for blind and visually impaired triathletes. And uh, I've spoken about that pretty uh, extensively. And that's my, just a hobby, just something I do for fun outside of work with uh, a lot of my good friends.
0: Great. And how'd you get started in that?
1: Well, that's a whole long conversation. I, I mean, I really fell into it back uh, 2008 is when I started guiding originally. I um, was asked to just jump into a race in 2008 in New York City. And that really just kind of changed my life. I was like, well, this is what I want to be doing. So I guess this is 14 years later and uh, many, many, many races, including 10 Ironmans. Um, and it's wow. just something I never I never see myself um, not guiding
0: okay so you plan on doing that for life
1: I hope so if I if I'm lucky enough yeah absolutely
0: amazing that's great yeah, um, well we're here today to talk about aging and caregiving and all the messy stuff that comes with that I love you know you and I have talked a little bit about your journey but I'd love for listeners to be able to sort of hear from the beginning and more about your journey and see where it takes us today if that's okay
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, this is definitely my first time speaking publicly about what my husband and I have gone through with my mom, but I did start sharing on Twitter about some of the things we were going through as we, um, you know, we were living with my mom and we recently transitioned her to an assisted living community. And, um, and it was amazing the response I got from folks because I think a lot of people are dealing with this and not many people talk about it for many reasons. Um, so I'll start from uh, the beginning. My mom is 72, and she was diagnosed with Parkinson's seven years ago. So Parkinson's, generally, people think of it as a, a mobility issue where you know you have tremors and things like that. Um, and that's what we thought when, when she was diagnosed seven years ago. And we had always discussed having her live near one of um, her kids. So she, she was living in Chicago. She was a licensed um, family and marital therapist. Uh, and my mom is very, very smart. She has an undergrad from Mount Holyoke, a master's from Penn, PhD from Columbia Teachers College, and a social work degree from University of Chicago. Wow. So she's a very, yeah, I think she was Phi Beta Kappa at Mount Holyoke. Um, she's very, very smart. And um, she had a great practice and was very, very independent. In fact, she was, I mean, she raised, you know, my, my, my dad and mom were not together when I was growing up. So she did a lot of the heavy lifting and um, and, you know, she's the type of person where you're like, can you help me get like an air conditioner up five flights of stairs and no problem? <laughs> um, so when she was diagnosed, you know, we we had a plan in place um that she would move at some point. Now, fast forward, I guess this was four years ago now, my husband went to visit her in right outside Chicago in Evanston, where she was living. And she'd asked him for some help. And when he showed up at her house, he was like, oh my God, like she can't live alone anymore. Um, I don't -hmm. think she was cooking for herself. Like she was, he watched her with a knife, like cutting something and was like, this is terrifying. And he realized we needed to accelerate the move. Um, And he also realized that she couldn't live independently. So originally she was going to live in in an apartment near us in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, And he said, no, she's got to live with us. So, all right, I'll stop there and see if you have any questions on that.
0: Okay. So your husband goes and he says, basically, we're bringing your mom home. She's living with us.
1: Yes. And it wasn't going to be like overnight, but it was sort of end of the year. Um, and she needed to wrap up her practice and tie up some loose ends. Yeah. So that was, yeah, four years ago. So 2018. Um, and then the, the, the end, like the date she was supposed to move was fall of 2018, like late October, early November. And uh, my brother visited in the summer, helped her, t- helped her um, figure out some things. And then in October, I was it was like the night before I was going to head on a work trip, and I get an emergency phone call from her cousin because she had tripped and fallen and broken her collarbone. So canceled the work trip, and my sister and I flew out. And when we arrived at her apartment, um, we realized that she hadn't done anything to prepare for the move. So I was like twenty something weeks pregnant, and my sister and I spent five days like or four days cleaning out her house and we didn't get enough done for the record, but just like, I mean, 60 bags of trash, things like that. And and wow. to be clear, she was just not capable of getting herself ready. Um, so that was the, you know, so this was like, she was going to move soon, but it was, all right, you're moving today. And then we just, you know, we came back with her to Charlotte um, and we were building a house. So my husband and I built a house that she could live in with us. And, um, we built like an accessible sunroom, bathroom, everything um for her. And uh but we were living in a townhome at that time because the house wasn't done. So for the first four months she lived here, we were in like a twelve hundred square foot townhome <laughs> while I was in late stages of pregnancy. Um so my husband is a is a real champion. Um, he's really done everything. Yeah.
0: Wow, sounds um, like he deserves yeah. a, a medal there.
1: <laughs> he definitely deserves a medal. Um, and, uh, but you know, I hadn't really been around my mom much
0: mm-hmm.
1: for years. I mean, we would see her in holidays and things, but we were not prepared for what it was going to be like. We thought, okay, she's going to live with us, and she'll walk to the coffee shop, and she'll make friends and things like that. And that's not what happened in practice. I think she was she had declined further than we realized um, before she moved. So, I mean. She just wasn't really able to make a community. She was having a lot of anxiety issues. Um, so we had to get her medications right, all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, you know, and I'm traveling this time, you know, th- throughout all of this. So my husband's home with my mom and, you know, we're getting ready to have our first kid. And, and it, it was definitely a lot. Um, but it got better when, we, when we, we built the house, we moved in a month before I had my daughter. So that was, we moved in on Valentine's day, 2019. And then for a couple of years, you know, I'm, well, I guess it was just a year till the pandemic started, but I'm traveling. We have a, a baby, she's in daycare and, and my mom is living with us without any additional help.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Okay. All right. So I'll pause again because apparently I do have a narrative here. I didn't realize. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah. a great narrative and I, I'm glad you're pausing because there's, there's a lot of questions. I want to go back okay. to, you know, your husband gets there. Sees that your mom's not doing as well. You decide, hey, we need to move with her. She needs to wrap some things up. How how do you approach that conversation with your mom?
1: Uh, I don't even... I, I wish I could remember. I think it was... I mean, I don't think you gave her options, you know? I mean, but for her, she knew it was going to have to happen eventually. I don't think she'd wrapped her mind around what she really needed. I mean, none of us mm-hmm. had. Um, but, you know, she's... I don't even remember talking to her about it. I think we just started talking about a house we could build, you know, and you'll still have your space and cause we wanted her to be as independent as possible. So we thought about, Oh, do we have a house with a detached garage and she lives up there, but we were thinking, Oh, stairs might be complicated. You know, at that time we thought, you know, maybe she'll still be able to cook a little bit. Um, but really what we, we determined was the only way it was we had to build and it would probably have to be within the house. Yeah. Like her, her, her area.
0: And did you have that conversation? Was that just the natural conclusion of, hey, we have to build or were you considering assisted living at that point or
1: no, definitely not considering assisted living I mean at that point it was you know independent or staying with us um, so no, in fact, I mean that was something I the whole point of building was that she wouldn't have to go to assisted living yeah mm-hmm. ever was the was my thought <laughs> okay yeah,
0: okay, yeah. So she was with you for a while,
1: three and a half years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, and I think so. The pandemic was terrible for lots of people, and it was bad for her. And that she couldn't, um, you know, continue to go to her boxing class. She couldn't make friends. But if I'm really honest, I'm not sure how much of that she really would have been able to do anyway. Um, so we, I think the real benefit for us is that I stopped traveling. And so I was home all the time to see what my husband was seeing and to really, I mean, to be there throughout all of the, the, I mean, she continued to decline. And again, if you if you ever came to my house and you caught my mom on a good day, she's, she's okay. She can talk to you and respond and things like that. But, um, you know, there were other things that have happened. Like, so they, she's had a couple falls, like the first six months she was here, she fell and broke her hand. Um, then she broke her wrist um, when we bought a table and she slipped on the packaging. Um, the first night of the pan, like right when the pandemic happens, the night before my daughter's birthday, she wanted to ride her bike. So she goes for a bike ride crashes. Um, so she's in the ER at the height of like COVID. Um, and we're, we're, I mean, the unknown of COVID. So it's like, do we take off all our clothes and wash them. You know, I couldn't go into the ER with her. So, you know, all of her actions had an impact on us. And again, none of this is her fault, but it was just the, the reality continued to set in over, you know, this, you know, three-year period. But the real turning point was she, um, experienced delusions in the fall of 2020. Um, and I was at that point, um, you know, this this was, a, this was a very hard time. So she really had some very strong delusions. She wasn't trusting me or my husband. She was very convinced that there were some nefarious people like living across the street that they she was going to call the FBI. She thought maybe we were involved with some things. Um, thankfully, we found a medication that worked. But you can imagine, I mean, we're just like, that was a moment. So fall of 2020, where I was like, oh, she's going to have to move out. Um, the medication controlled it. But, you know, that was definitely one of those, oh, we're, we're hanging on by a thread here, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm thinking about changing jobs at this time because I was really struggling at at my prior employer. Not, I mean, the job was great. I loved what I was doing, but I was struggling with um, my situation. And um, so it was, there was a lot of upheaval.
0: (laughs) Sounds like there was a ton.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: How how do you find time for all that or like what what did you do to stay sane during that time
1: i don't know if i did stay sane um you just kind of have to put your head down like we had a toddler um you know james is a rock uh he i'm really looking forward to giving him some peace coming up here but when we couldn't have people visit to help so it was like I, i i don't actually know i mean uh probably didn't stay sane. <laughs> but you know, I somehow I was able to keep doing my job and it didn't suffer. I honestly don't know how, but um it was it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't and I don't I I never wanted to embarrass my mom. So it's so I've realized now that I wasn't even really talking to friends about it. Like I would tell them what happened, but I I gave you her background because it's like it's important for you to know how like capable and educated and competent she is
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you lose a lot of that when when you face a major illness
1: yeah oh well and it's a weird one like it's not dementia it's not um it's not like she forgets who we are it's more like um she can't do things
0: You're hearing a break in the conversation right now, because Carolyn let her emotions flow through this part, and I'm really glad she did. And we had some back and forth conversations about what would be edited out and what wouldn't. But as Carolyn said later in our conversation,
1: People need to understand what this is like, you know?
0: So the only part that I edited out was our conversation about what would be edited out. So it wasn't really much, but I wanted to provide some context about why the conversation is picking up in a slightly different spot.
1: I've never told the story I might change my mind, but I've just never told the story from like start to finish. And when you think about what you actually went through, it's a lot more than you realize. And you know, James is the one that was really like picking up all the slack, you know? And he was the one like banging on the table being like, we need more. Um, So at that point so like that fall we started looking into caregivers and I remember going on care.com and being like, we need someone for like, Oh, just to go on walks with her and like spend some time with her. Cause she's isolated, you know? Yeah. Um, but very, you know, so that year I think I was just in denial and my husband has said that a lot. Like, you know, you and your siblings just didn't, you didn't see it. And I saw it for a year and a half. Like I knew where, where this was headed. Um, and, uh, he was right. And so like, I have a lot of guilt around that because he was really like holding down the fort and just feeling like he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And we're all sitting here saying, she'll be fine. She just needs to do this or this or this. Not not that she would be fine, but that it was fine for her to stay in the house. Um, mm-hmm. So we started looking for caregivers, but I was also worried about bringing caregivers into the house because absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, But also i didn't know what to look for um so eventually flash forward to the fall of 2021 we finally hired um we started we started the process of kicking in long-term care Uh, my mom's advisor was like i mean she knew all the insurance i mean there's no way i could have done this without her um so it was uh we started the process of doing long-term care we started looking into caregivers um, and
0: she,
1: we finally brought this woman into the house. Um, but when when we did it was, you know, six hours a day because it's weird. She goes from spending all of her time by herself to suddenly there's a woman with her all the time, always, and, yeah, but I remember being on a work trip in New York, and um she uh I get a phone call at seven in the morning. I'm on a run in Central Park because my mom was like, I don't I, she's a terrible driver. she's gonna kill me like you know, and this woman's on her way to the house and I'm like, mom, do you want us to fire her? You know? And, and so there was, it wasn't just, oh, there's a caregiver and suddenly she has help. Um, you know, come later on, she changed her mind. She wants (laughs) Jennifer. She's Jennifer's still working with us. It's great. Um, I mean, Jennifer is amazing, but it was just, it was still these emergencies. Um, and there was never a real emergency, but it always felt like that to my mom.
0: It's a huge adjustment. I mean, it's, It's one of those things where you, you have care, but even if you have care, it's the adjustment of, hey, is it working for you and James? Is it working for your mom? Is it, Yep. you know, and as care needs change, are they equipped to handle that? And how, how does that transition work?
1: Yeah. Um, and it's so hard to know what kind of care they need. Like, I mean, half the time, I don't think people know, none of us know what we really need. Um, but, you know, when we first had her, had her moved in, we thought, oh, she'd need help with, cooking and maybe getting dressed. Um, you know, we had the successful bathroom in case she needed a wheelchair. She is still very physically capable. I mean, she could probably walk faster than most non, um, you know, impaired adults. I know she walks super fast, but, um, the cognitive stuff is, um, you know, she's now at the point where she can't, if you send her, leave her a voicemail, she doesn't know how to check it. She can't send you a text message. Um, if I say, mom, there's a bowl at your place at the table, go to the table and sit down in front of your bowl. I mean, that's like a too much instruction. Um, you know, maybe on a good day, but uh, it's it's really, really difficult. Um, it's, I'm trying to think of other examples. Like the judgment is not there. You know, if she would, we would be walking to the shopping center across from my house and she'd want to, and she'd come with us, but maybe she was behind or she was trying to catch up. She'd just run across the street and run a traffic, you know, not, mom, why didn't you look? to see if the light was changing you're just not Mm -hmm. thinking and then you know we're dealing with a toddler who has crazy strong emotions completely irrational um you know best kid in the world but just a toddler and so you're trying to watch a toddler and then you also have to worry about what's happening with mom i mean it's just so challenging
0: Yeah. yeah it's impossible
1: yeah again, people don't know. So we finally, even after we realized, you know, a couple, like a month or so with the caregiver and we realized that it, it, it wasn't enough. Um, mm-hmm. she wasn't making friends. Like she was going to her boxing class a couple times a week and she had a zoom thing that she did once a week, but there was no community. And James and I were so exhausted that, um, you know, if she were, we didn't bring her places because again, her endurance is like shot, you know, we took her to Asheville over the summer. And by the end of, I mean, my mom and I went to the Biltmore and, you know, we used, we had, you know, the, the buses driving us around and stuff like that. But at the end of like an hour, it was, you know, she couldn't do anymore. You know, she had to go back and be somewhere in air conditioning. She had to well, maybe lie down or sit down. So even if we wanted to take her to do things with my toddler, it's her stamina is so much lower that it's, It's just really difficult. So I just felt like we get to do these things with Jesse, my toddler. We can't bring mom. We don't have the energy to bring her. And it was just, she's just not living a good life right now. Um, So that was, that was hard. So that's when we were like, okay, if we find a good assisted living community, um, she'll have a life. She'll have people to interact with and it'll give us the ability to have more energy to do fun things with her. Um, And my biggest fear was, That if we try to get her into assisted living they'll say no 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 she has to be in memory care because i want to differentiate assisted living is you can help with day-to-day tasks memory care is you have to have a you know you are under lock and key because it's a lot of people that wander people that aren't safe to be on their own at all assisted living has a decent amount of independence memory care absolutely doesn't and i was so worried that somebody would say oh she's got too many cognitive issues and but you can't have her in an assisted living.
0: Yeah. And were you able to find that place?
1: Well, we did. Um, so again, my advisor um, and my mom, my mom and I have the same advisor and um, so she was amazing. Um, she actually, and I don't think there's any reason why I can't say her name. So Morgan Rochard as many, many people on Twitter know her, but she flew down in January and actually visited assisted living places for me because I was just, Like if I'd gone into one of the places that was maybe, you know, not as nice. And if I'd seen that we were even thinking about putting my mom in a place like that, oh no, it would have been uh, terrible. So uh, she looked at a few places and we narrowed down on one and it looked, it looked really nice. Um, And, uh, and we took my mom and she chose the actual apartment she was going to get to live in. It's really close to my house. Um, and they once we had decided things moved really quickly which was kind of terrifying but they were like if you once you've decided and i do agree with this if you don't move relatively quickly it's just hanging over their head so we picked the place and then we moved her like a month later um mm. and that was just wild like it was just all of a sudden there are movers here yeah
0: how, how did you prepare for that move i mean she's been living with you three years or so you know it's a lot of time together
1: um we talked about it like i would just bring it up all the time and i would bring up you're gonna be here a lot here are the benefits um you know things we things won't be as tense with me they won't be as tense with james because like if i'm totally honest i was not pleasant to be around for her i'm i'm very direct generally um <laughs> and uh, uh but she's my mom. You know how we all are with our parents. We're much more like, mm-hmm. you can be really hard on the people that you love the most. Yeah. And I was just tired of, um, being so hard on her. And, uh, and James was just so stressed out. And again, meanwhile, we have a toddler. I did an Ironman this fall. I don't even know how I was able to train for that with everything. Um, and we've really demanding jobs. Um, And it's, so it was just, you know, I was really, I was so tired of feeling short with her. And so I would talk to her about how, um, this was going to allow us to have better time together. Like for instance, her 50 year reunion is coming up, um, in May and like the thought of taking her for four days after she's, you know, with us all the time. I was like, I can't, I was like, call my brother and I was like, please reserve this weekend. Cause she can't even fly anymore. Um, so actually that's probably another, this is, this was a real turning point over the summer when I, when I did or the fall, when I did my Ironman, we sent her to stay with my brother because it was just too much for James to have like a week um, with Jesse alone and my mom. And on the way back um, she lands at you nine know, o'clock at night and we have these people, you can get people to wheel An elderly person or anything like that to the to the gate. So she lands and she doesn't ever think to check her phone. It just didn't even come up in her head, you know, because she has the assistance request is in the system and somebody meets her and takes her to the wheelchair. But instead of taking her in the wheelchair and bringing her out to you know where I was going to meet her, they brought her to some random gate and left her there. So she was essentially lost in the Charlotte airport, and I'm there trying to pick her up. It was one of the worst things that I'm like screaming at people, you know, I, I would have ended up viral for just being so you know, upset in public because they lost my mom in the Charlotte airport. It was terrifying. And I called her probably 50 times, you know, and finally they figure out where she is and they bring her back. Cause she's at an a gate and she'd landed in like D I have no idea why they thought to bring her there, but she didn't think to answer her phone. Um, I don't know if it was on vibrate, but it was on. Um, but I just was like, she doesn't even think like she doesn't even think where they, where they put me is wrong. I wonder where Carolyn is. She didn't Mm -hmm. think to even look at her phone. I was like, oh, this is, this is not good. You know, Um, the the judgment part. Um, So it was, that was when we realized she can't even fly alone, even with assistance. So whoever was going to take my mom to her reunion was going to have to fly here, pick her up, fly her to the reunion and come back. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, a huge ordeal, but like, I'm not going to have my mom miss her reunion. Um, so we, but now, so she's, she has been in an assisted living now for a few weeks and now it doesn't feel so bad. Like I'm hundred percent taking her to her reunion. Um, but, uh, oh, but I, I do want to address one thing. It's a little bit of an aside. It's probably just a couple months back. Um, if you have any family members that are going through something like this, um, don't, I had people, most people in our lives were very supportive. Like you should have done this ages ago. I'm so proud of you and James for what you've already done. But I got an email over Christmas from a relative whose, um, whose sister took care of their mom. Um, so their mom lived with them till you know, she was 90 something and she passed away. I got an email from her that was like the most devastating thing I've received. It was essentially you know because i was sending messages to you know because this is not just communicating with my siblings this is telling extended family what's happening and i sent some messages to a a group of folks being like things are really bad like we need people to come visit things like that this was before we kind of made the move to assisted living and i don't i'm sure i could have written those messages better i'm not perfect here but i was really trying to sound an alarm bell Mm -hmm. but this woman sent me a message basically saying that her mom's biggest fear was going to assisted living and how terrible it is to send somebody there and like her you know she just saw people in wheelchairs being left to themselves and she basically sent me an email that had my absolute worst fears of what a move to assisted living would be like and she sent this to me in an email without even like talking to me i mean i still can't get it out of my head so what i'm going to say to all of you is don't ever insert your opinion like you don't know what's going on and what she and her sister dealt with Was completely different. They had grown children. Their mother had no cognitive issues. It's a completely different story. Like my mom is 72. I have a toddler and you know, we needed more support and, uh, we absolutely wanted her to stay with us as long as we could. But I mean, I, uh, I'd like to think I don't care what people think, but I I certainly do. But that email, like it, it was burned into my brain. Like Mm -hmm. I'm still so hurt by it. And, uh, I'm trying to get past it, but I'm just, I just want to share that because if you ever know anybody who's going through this, like the decision to have somebody not live in, in your house is, it's a really, really hard one to make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's an awful email and yeah. three years, three years with you and James. I mean, what, what a gift.
1: A I'm counting those six months. <laughs> yeah.
0: Three and a half. My, my mistake.
1: Yeah. But it's not, and that's the thing is I thought, okay, so she'll move and, and things will be a little bit less stressful. But one of the things I wanted to do is to share some of the things like I didn't even realize when you, you move. So they'll send you a bunch of emails, there are medical forms, and and I thought they would at least sort of like lay it out for me. And there was a DocuSign, which I completed, but there was also a medical form that I missed. Hmm. Didn't realize um, that it was due because it was sent in a separate email. So four days before she's supposed to move, I find out that I have to go get this completed by the doctor. And so I sent it to her primary care doctor and they filled it out wrong. So they sent it to this assisted living place and it said exhibits inappropriate behaviors. And they also checked that she needed skilled nursing because the way the form is written, it's just really difficult. It has like a very tiny box that says ALS, like or assisted living or something like that. They didn't, I don't think they'd ever filled it out before. So I get an email two days before she's supposed to move in saying, we can't accept her because of the way this form was filled out. And I'm like... Oh my God! You know, what are you kidding me? Um, so <laughs> we—I had to get that fixed, but I mean, it was hours on the phone back and forth trying to get medical records, and then to get prescriptions changed over. You know, sometimes people have prescriptions that are written a certain way, but you're not supposed to take it that way. So, for instance, the medication my mom takes to make sure she doesn't have delusions, um, she uh, she takes that. Um, what is it? Um, she takes it once a day, but we have an additional amount that is uh, given to her if she has breakthrough issues or things like that. If she takes it in the morning, because it's written once, twice a day, morning and evening, she'll collapse and pass out because it's it sedates her. Um, but they were basically like, if you don't get this rewritten, we have to give it to her as written. And I'm like, if you give her this medication in the morning, she'll fall face down in her food. You know, so... Jeez. they gave me like a day to get that done. Um, so just, I could, I'm sure I could have been more prepared, um, but again, I've never gone through this a lot of competing thing, you know, demands on my time. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I didn't realize all of the things that needed to be in line and it really does take weeks of preparation, um, to get all that stuff ready. So maybe I was just trying to avoid it all cause I didn't want her to move, but you know, Um, so it's, it's been three or four weeks now and we, we definitely still haven't worked out all the kinks.
0: Yeah. What, what are some of those kinks as they sit today? I know you mentioned that at least I got the impression you have a little less stress today, so it must be a little bit better. Yes. No.
1: Yeah. So it's less stressful when I travel. Uh I don't have to worry about what's going to happen with James. It's more stressful because, you know, we have to plan when to, when to see her. Um, but not, it's not even that stressful. She, she's pretty close now. Um, but it, uh, I'm not sure if this is the right community for her yet. Um, I, a lot of these places are understaffed right now and she does have a a nice apartment and things like that. And we still have her caregiver going in, but um, it's still, um, they they messed up her medications a couple of times. Um, They said they were going to help, you know, make sure her room was ready. And and then there was a broken closet door. They didn't get it fixed for a couple of weeks. And I'm not actually sure what's realistic. Um, And I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like an exacting person, but I when somebody tells me they're gonna do something, I'm, you know, I expect that they'll do it. And yeah. I've just felt like, is she getting the attention she needs? Um, and there's a nicer community, or at least from the outside it looks nicer, but it's farther away. So what I'm weighing right now is, do we consider having her go somewhere else, knowing that, you know, it's 30 minutes. So that's, if I have her come here and then go home, that's two hours of driving around trip. Um, but if that's where she's spending the majority of her time, is it worth it? Um, so, you know, and I've heard this from many people I've spoken to have gone through this. You often have to move somebody once or twice. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why that is, but it, it's just, it's not always the first place you choose is, is the right place. There are some good things. She has, she has found a couple of people she likes, you know, um, and again, she's close by. So her caregiver will we'll bring her over here and they'll cook and, you know, she'll have things that she likes to eat because she hates the food, of course. Um, oh. but we, yeah, I know I haven't heard of anybody liking the food, but, um, we, we, I mean, we're seeing her a few times a week minimum and I'm really working on getting her room furnished, um, so that we can have her stay over and things like that. But it, it is still, it's now you're not, now you're managing, the assist you're managing the relationship with the assisted living community not just managing your mom and it's different yeah so it's still it's still a lot of work actually
0: (laughs) yeah no the work doesn't go away i'm curious the caregiver that's coming in are they still coming in six hours a a day yeah okay
1: because um yeah we're lucky that she has a great long-term care policy i know not everybody can do that um and, you know, realistically, I mean, I think the goal was to not have have to have to, have to do that, but we really like Jennifer and um, it gives mom the ability to go places. Um, so, and she still goes to her boxing class twice a week. So Jennifer will drive her. And then what's really helpful to me is if I we want to see her for dinner, I'll say, okay, Jennifer, bring her over after you go home and then she'll stay here through dinner and then I'll take her home at night. So that's, that's super so helpful. Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We we're very, very lucky to be able to do that.
0: So are you considering new places right now for assisted living? Are you giving it more time? How how are you thinking through that right now? And how are the family dynamics? Is it just you making the decision? Is it multiple people?
1: Um, well, you know, I always let other people weigh in. Um, my siblings and I are really the ones that make, make those decisions. Um, we are going to look at another place um, soon. And uh, the trade-off is it's farther and she'd have a smaller physical space, but this place has a campus where she can walk around and it's, you know, got good landscaping and it's beautiful. And there's a shopping center nearby because right now the place she is inside, it's not terrible, but there's nowhere. So she has to have Jennifer take her places. Mm. Um, so that she's going to look at it today. I don't know what she's going to think. Um, she certainly can say, no, I want to stay where I am. Absolutely. Um, but it's, uh, I'm just, I'm pretty angry at the place that we, we put her in. Um, man, I was, part of me is like, did they, was it a sales pitch, you know? Cause they were so responsive early on. And now I'm like, I've left two voicemails for the director, you know, and they're not calling me back. And, you know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to just figure out, am I expecting too much or, uh, are they so strapped that like, I really should get her out of there because she'll be neglected, you know? And again, we're around a lot and Jennifer's there, so she's not going to be neglected, but, um, you know, it's just the trend.
0: <laughs> yeah. You want the best for your loved one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, my mom's a saint. I want the best for her like times a million. Yeah. So I'll yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Um, she and Jennifer are going to go see a place today. And, um, so there's a chance we'll move her in a few weeks and then there's another chance that she'll say, I'd rather make sure I have a one bedroom and be closer to you guys. And that's a totally reasonable thing for her to say, but it's complicated. All of it. I mean, that's, I think I might to sum it up is it's really complicated. And also most people wait until it's too late. Like if I could go back and I think I mentioned this when we spoke, what I think we would have done if we'd known that she was going to have cognitive issues is we would have had her move into independent living in a community that also has assisted and memory care, because Mm -hmm. then she could live by herself and, she could with it, with guardrails in place, she could see, okay, I do need more help because when she's living here, we obviously didn't let anything bad happen, but it was a disaster. It was so stressful for everybody. She wasn't happy. We weren't happy. She didn't have any friends because she just wasn't able to initiate those things. And, you know, I'm working all the time. I don't have, you know, I can't just call her friends for her and the pandemic really killed all that. So I would have, I, we would have done that. I think had her live independently with a place where she could move within it. Um, so what I would say is if you have a family member that's facing something like this, if there's a chance for significant cognitive decline, have a plan in place before anything happens, like figure out and figure out like what markers, you know, might happen to get that person to move, even like while they're still cognitively, you know, okay. Cause you know, two years ago, my mom could send text messages and she could she could, you know, I would say five times out of 10, she could say what she was intending to say. Now it's nine times out of 10. What actually comes out of her mouth is not at all what she's trying to get across. Um, it's, so communication is difficult. Her comprehension has, you know, decreased significantly. Um, but what I would do is have a, you know, a plan in place. Like if this happens, this happens, this happens, we're, we're moving you here, you know, and, and that way the person can be part of the decision and also, you've laid that out ahead of time, you know, so that it's not like the caregivers are suddenly making these really hard decisions and second guessing themselves. Um, because that, you know, I think we probably would have started thinking about that, you know, when mom had delusions, um, knowing that she was going to need some additional help. Um, but instead we got the medication, it made it better, but it was a whole nother year of just stress.
0: How I'm curious, Carolyn, how would you set those markers for people who haven't been through something so when i and the reason i ask that is i i find a lot of families struggle with you know it's just this one time or it's only happened twice or it's only happened three times or you know it's only happened a little bit it wasn't that bad and they they sort of justify it or rationalize it in their mind
1: yeah i'm
0: curious how you know hindsight 2020 now how you would sort of set the markers if someone's listening here and how do they stick with it too
1: i mean i think you have a contract honestly like, and everybody signs it. Um, I really do. But I would also say if there's a cognitive issue in place, and you have, you know, young, young kids in the house, what exacerbated some of my mom's, you know, issues, like what was difficult, you know, if you've got my daughter just screaming, you know, toddlers do that. She logically knows that like, nothing's actually wrong, but it would really upset her. So I'd have to be like, Mom, you gotta, you have to like leave the room while Jesse's having a tantrum, because I could just see her getting affected by it. But Also sound travels, you know, if Jesse's having a freak out at night, you know, my mom's right below her just listening to it. And that, that was a lot. So, you know, I I probably need to put more thought into that, but I would, I would say like things like if you're not for her and for her, it's different because it's not traditional dementia. um, But I would say if you're not able to have a, a fulfilling life with friends, Um, By X amount of, by X time, we should look at creating that community for you through, you know, living near other folks um, in your age bracket. I would say if you, once you get to the point where you are unable to administer your own medications, because that's a, that's one of the big markers for assisted living, um, you know, that's when we start looking at assisted living communities. Um, and we didn't figure out she needed help with medication until we noticed that she was like mixing medications in all of her pill boxes. Like, I mean, it was just, she just couldn't, you can't even put yourself in that position because you can't imagine how her brain is telling her that this is what she should be doing to like figure out her pills. It's wild. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it just, you can't even put yourself in that, in that situation. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, I would say if this, you know, if the stress in the house becomes, you know, the point where, you know, and it's hard to like quantify, If you have like three fights a day, but you know, these are things yeah. that if we see this happening, we should look into, um, getting additional help, just little things that, you know, cause you, not that we thought it was going to be utopia. We certainly didn't, but, um, when she we knew she wasn't gonna be able to drive when she moved here, things like that. Um, but if I had known the toll it was going to take, on my marriage, on her, on, I I think my daughter was pretty resilient. and was spared most of it, but, um, and I don't regret any of the time we lived with her at all, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but there's just all these things we didn't know. (laughs) So I would really sit down with doctors and figure out, you know, what are the, and, and, and I would actually, I should have led with that. Talk to a doctor and be like, what are the things that you would look for, um, to determine whether somebody needs additional help? But the main thing is quality of life. Like, are the people that are doing the caregiving okay? And is the person who's being cared for okay?
0: Those are two great questions.
1: It's. I wish it were cut and dry. It's not. Um, yeah. Still, sometimes I'm like, oh, she should be here. And then I'm like, no, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Positive note, when she has come by, I am nicer to her. James is nice, Like, it's a much more loving environment. We do little fun things and we you know and then she goes home and she's and she gets you know she's really tired by the time she goes home and she relaxes um so that was an immediate positive you know outcome was the time we spend with her is much higher quality
0: so if i had to summarize i'm hearing more care sooner
1: i think that's a really good way to put it yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought about that before but yeah definitely more care sooner because then it doesn't feel like such an emergency um because what will happen is it'll creep up on you and all of a sudden everyone is drowning and even the thought of acting to get more care is like overwhelming yeah
0: yeah one more thing on top of everything else that's happening yeah
1: 100 um but uh i'm i also i'm happy to talk to people that are going through this um i'm definitely a living the sandwich generation. Um, but you know, the one other comment and I've kind of touched on this, but just know that even if somebody has a parent in like no longer in their house or they've moved to person, it, it still is a ton of work. You're still a caregiver. It's not like because she's not under my roof. Um, I'm not responsible for her because I absolutely am coordinating her medical care, dealing with caregiver, assisted living community, making sure she sees friends and family, making sure, you know, our house now, I mean, one of the benefits is now we have a room, her space that we built for her is now a place where her family members can come stay with us for as much as time as they want to go visit her. Um, and then that would have been really difficult um, before she moved. So now we have a place to host people and things like that. But again, we're coordinating all of this. So um, it's still a lot of work. And I'm not complaining about that work. I just,
0: It's okay to complain.
1: No, I'm speaking about my guilt. I think probably that I'm like, oh, I moved her because it was a burden. And it's like, no. And Morgan, my advisor, was the best about this. She was like, you're moving her because it's what's right for your mom. Like, That's why she's moving. Not because it's too hard for you. Um, But still, I struggle with the guilt for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think almost every caregiver struggles with that.
1: Even parents of totally able children, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, Yeah. But, um, but I think that this will be I, the one positive. I've also told my mom is if you hadn't gotten diagnosed, we'd be seeing you a couple times a year. Like you, she'd still be working, and she loved working. But my daughter would, I mean, she'd see her a couple times a year. And now she sees. Mm-hmm. I mean, for three and a half years, she saw, or for three years, she saw her every day. And now she sees her multiple times a week. And that's a really, a really nice thing. Um, cause there's no way my mom would have been living here if, uh, we hadn't needed to move her.
0: So that's a nice positive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are positives for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is there anything else you'd go back and change any advice you'd give anybody listening before we wrap up?
1: I mean, I wish I'd been nicer. But I think that's like a marker, you know, when, when you're that stressed out, um, it's really hard and maybe, you know, more care sooner. Like there are things we could have done, but my mom's the most forgiving person in the world. And, um, she doesn't hold anything against us, which is awesome. But yeah, I think I would have, and also here's the thing, I don't know if I could have changed anything because there was a pandemic. Um, I think I would have had her visit people more. She couldn't. I would have had more people come here. We couldn't have people come here. So in a perfect world, there are things we would have done. But with COVID, I think we did what we could because also I don't think I would have moved her sooner in COVID because of all the lockdowns and all those things. Like there was nothing that we really, yeah, so I don't think I would have done that. Um, So I think we did what we could when we could. And um, you know, if you're dealing with this not in a time of a global pandemic, you know, more care sooner. But I think we did. I think we did what we could. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I want to, I want to, I want to wrap up with something I ask all guests on my podcast. Um, and that is what is one act of kindness that's been transformational in your life?
1: Oh, there are a lot of acts of kindness. Um, but I'm going to go back to my husband. I mean, his act of kindness towards my mom to say, you should live with us. Like, what husband do you know that would say, Hey, mother in law, like come live with us? Not to help us because you can't help us, come live with us so that we can help you. Because I never, I never would have invited her to live with us, um, because I wouldn't have done that to him if he had not extended that invitation to her. Um, I don't really know what we'd be doing. Um, there might have been a huge disaster for her. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so I would say, you know, that was a turning point and it was, it was James. Um, but now I think it's time to give him some kindness. So I'm going to take a trip with him in May and we're going to have some time to relax.
0: (laughs) Good. Where are you going?
1: We're going to Hawaii. Good. Yeah. And you know, when we first booked the trip, we didn't know she was moving. And I was just panicking, honestly, about how do we get... Enough caregivers in the house. Like, how do I make sure that they're here twenty four seven? Does she even need twenty four seven? Can she sleep alone? What if she wakes up and will she know how to call nine one one? Just these tiny things. And so, honestly, I dragged my feet booking it because I was like, we we couldn't go anywhere. Like, we we couldn't even take weekend trips for you know three years. And um, so now we, I know we can actually go on this trip. And no, it might not be perfect while we're gone, but I know at least she's safe uh, while we're out of town. So. that will be the first like real vacation we've taken.
0: Well, I hope you and James have a wonderful time and hopefully yeah. no emergencies coming up yeah. and you guys can just enjoy the beach and, and I everything. Hope
1: this, I hope this helps somebody. Like I hope somebody listens to this and is like, okay, helpful decisions. And, but again, I'm happy to have people reach out. I'm pretty public. Um, so whatever I can do to help other people going through this, I'm happy to.
0: What's the best way to get in touch if someone wants to reach out, Carolyn?
1: Um, Right now, it's probably Twitter, just Carolyn Bikes on Twitter. Well, Caroline, um, uh, it's spelled Caroline. And just my messages are open, just shoot me a note and I'm, I'm happy to, to talk. I have had, already had a bunch of people do that, but I'm not an expert, but I can just share my experiences, obviously.
0: Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of kindness financial planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only, and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical, and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.